boys and girls to the paranormal rabbit hole. I'm your host, Hunter, here again with another spooky tale or folklore or cryptid or, you know what, it could be anything. You never know what this show, that's why we're so good. That's why you guys enjoy it so much, and I'm very proud, first of all, super proud to have you along with me on this journey. Um, I love the paranormal. I hope you do. Uh, the past two weeks, we did some Bigfoot stuff to show love to the Bigfoot community because, uh, you know, it's one of those that I don't really, I don't really have a a go into because I, I'm not a big Bigfoot person, so I I tend to, you know, just be a skeptic in that. I'm a skeptic of, on Bigfoot, uh, but I love cryptids, so I'm very open, and I I would love to, you know, uh talk to some Bigfoot people. I'm very open to talking to Bigfoot people. If you want to come on the show, if you've seen Bigfoot and you want to, you know, uh, do an interview on the show, uh, we can somehow work that out. Just hit me up on our Instagram at the paranormal rabbit hole podcast, all one word running together in a beautiful run on sentence. The paranormal, paranormal rabbit hole podcast. I can't talk. I've just opened up another, another beverage. Yeah, and uh, yeah, go to the Paranormal Rabbit Hole podcast, comment, uh, talk, you know, interact. Um, you know, we just basically cover what show we're doing there, so um, that's really it. That's really it. Uh, we talk, you know, I, I'd love to talk to you guys. Just come in and hit me up on one of the comments, and, and uh, also, if there's anything you want me to cover, leave that in the comments as well. Um, also... If you're listening to the show, rate and review on Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Um, kind of covers all the basis of the show. And when you guys give us a good rating, basically what that does is that passes us on to other people who might like the show as well. Because I know you guys like it. That's why you come back for more cryptid information. And we try to do a good weekly show. Um, I, I enjoy doing a weekly show. It was every two weeks. For It was weekly, then it was every two weeks, and I was like, you know what? I want to do weekly again. You guys deserve something paranormal every week from me, and that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, so let's give you guys something paranormal right now. Uh, basically, we're going to be talking about the Snedeker family, which is the family that... Uh, has had had a terrible, just awful event happen. Um, it was Alan Carmen. There were a couple who uh, had gotten married, and they had a, a, a son uh, with 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 cancer. It was a, a Hodgkin's lymphoma. His name was Philip. He was the eldest son of Carmen and Al, uh, which is Alan. Snedeker. Now, these events took place in 1986 and, you know, just kind of happened over time. And what happened to this family was they were just, you know, they had a child with cancer. They were, we'll get into, you know, to this in a second, but they had a child with cancer and they had to deal with this as well. And what happened affected Philip. Uh, now, Philip had Hodgkin's lymphoma. <clears throat> And he, they were in, in Connecticut regularly. Um, basically, they would drive in and 
go to a clinic, a, a medical clinic for his treatments for Hodgkin's lymphoma, like infusions and things like that. And uh, they lived in New York at the time. And so they were driving from New York to Connecticut each time for these infusions and these treatments and whatever else that Philip was receiving. And uh, it, it began to wear down on them, you know, and, and they had, uh, if I remember correctly, they had uh, two sons and a daughter, and they also had her nieces at the time. Um, and that's who had who was with them through this ordeal. Um, and they went to, they were going back and forth just so much, and they were getting tired of driving back and forth. So they found a house in Connecticut, or actually it was more halfway in Connecticut, you know, so from the there to the uh, Yukon Hospital. That's where they were going for uh, treatments. <clears throat> so they went to Salvington, which was, you know, just that, like I said, very close, and and decided, you know, that's it. We're going here. It's it's convenient. It's close enough to your work and close enough to the hospital. Close, perfect, perfect place. Let's let's move in here. It's a very beautiful house, very big, and they went about uh, renovating and setting up the house and. Alan discovers that the basement of the house was a mortuary. So it was probably more than likely a mortician uh, slash maybe funeral home viewing. Uh, I know back in the day in like the 1800s and 1700s, they, they had a guy that just kind of, the undertaker kind of did all of that. He got the bodies, put it on a carriage, and then they took it out to the graveyard and buried it. It was an all-in-one. All in one. And morticians did the same as the years passed on. Some morticians would have a mortuary where they would prepare the body in the basement, bring it up, and have the viewing in the in the parlor of their home. And then they would live in the upstairs. Um, and that's, that's just how morticians worked back in the day. And so they discovered this. They discovered it with... Uh, <clears throat> uh, they found out that this was all possible. Because they found uh, a chain and pulley casket lift, which would bring it from the top to the bottom floor, a blood drainage pit, uh, and and I think there was a um, casket handles, um, as as well as the tools. So they found out that it had served as a funeral home, like I said, um, the Hallahan funeral home, and despite that that kind of, you know, little morbid, creepy history that they decided, you know, Alan and Carmen had said, look, we like it. We still like it. That's creepy. Um, wish we would have known earlier, but we still like it. It's still perfect. Uh, and, and it's, it's a good price. They could not, they were like, you know, well, we can't beat this price. We can't beat how good this is. <clears throat> so, uh, again, they were just like, you know what? We'll take it. We'll, we'll keep it. We, if we give up now, it's, it's done. It's over. Where are we going to find another place? 
uh, we'd be homeless if we left this house, you know, if we didn't stay. And so, uh, it, it was Philip's choice to, to move downstairs into the display room for, it was a casket display room, uh, which was just down the hall from a former, what was, what was once the embalming room where he would, you know, the mortician would prepare the bodies. Go ahead and crack open a beverage while you're listening and not at work. Unless it's a soda or a water or a liquid IV, because I love that shit. Don't get me started. No free advertising. There are paid advertisements on this show. Got to keep the lights on. Now, here is the very creepy, very weird thing. Um, He starts hearing sounds like you know weird sounds strange noises cutting scraping um movement and then starts seeing shadows and hearing voices uh and then sees even at one point in time says he sees a a torsoed apparition a full torso a, a fully vaporous torso at torsoed apparition <laughs> for our Ghostbuster fans. Uh, a man wearing a pinstripe suit. Uh, he had white hair and he would basically skulk and stare at him while he slept. Uh, and then one night he had gotten so terrified because he had seen, he had screamed that he seeing like bodies stacked in the wall. Uh, You know, he was getting terrified. He wanted to stay at the hospital. Uh, his parents were just, you know, thinking it was, you know, because the cancer treatments, he was starting to see things or starting to have, you know, nightmares because it was, you know, messing with him. It was altering his his brain. Uh, you know, a, he began to scare his brother. Um, like, he'd, he'd put him in, in one of the the morgue things, the morgue rooms and, and leave him in there. Uh, he'd, you know, put him on a gurney and just spin him around. And, and it, it freaked him out. It scared him. Um, it terrified him, you know, um, one of the, one of the biggest things that had happened though, was that he began to, to get violent. Now, of course he's ill. Um, and he's having these visions of these terrifying things. Uh, and there's a movie about this, too. There's a movie about this. And, and some of the events in this did happen. And some of the events uh, in the movie were just kind of, you know, made for, for show. Uh, they did end up, you know, uh, they didn't end up basically having to, to deal with him getting very angry. Now, again, he's sick and he's seeing things. His mental state will is going to change, even if it's just hallucinations. You got to think that's gonna mess somebody up so bad and trip them out so bad that they start seeing things. But he wasn't the only one that started experiencing things. His little brother did. His little sister, you know, his sister and and his the the two nieces 
also were starting to hear things and, and, and see things. So it wasn't just him. After a while, you know, after a while, the other family members started to notice things. Um, and in fact, it got to the point where even Carmen started noticing little things. Like things were dis- normal poltergeist behavior, things disappearing around the house. Um, basically thinking, oh, the kids moved something, but no, it's just gone. It, it's gone. Like, uh, like so it's kind of like that part in Poltergeist where if you remember, uh, she turns around and the chairs are all stacked. Like she had the chairs pulled. I think she had the chairs pulled away from the table from because she was mopping. And then when she walked away and turned back around, they were all stacked up. Uh, Carmen had the same thing happen, but instead she had set the table. And then when she had walked away and turned back around, dishes were all gone. Everything was put away where it should be. And I mean, first of all, that's that's almost like a, a childlike behavior, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> you you turn around and then turn back, and it's that fast. No kid can do that. Sorry, sorry, it's not possible at all. No no child is that fast unless they are superhuman or metahuman. You know, comic book nerds. There you go. Boom, got it. Um, but no, it, it's honestly you. That's upsetting, and second of all, it's really upsetting because you're like, I just set the damn table. Come on, what is this? Put it back. That's when you take charge and go, put it back, put it back now. Seriously, put it back. And that's all you could do, you know. Um, uh, it's it's very frustrating for a family to have to go through that. And especially with a child with cancer to have to uproot from their home, come to a, to a new home, not know anything about this home and then to have this stuff start happening to their son. And they think their son is just hallucinating. And this kid's just getting tortured and damaged as he's got this debilitating disease of Hodgkin's lymphoma for, I mean, and look it up. It's terrifying, terrifying terrible and it's just dealing with that dealing with this paranormal event in his life he's getting angry um possibly possessed and then the family starts noticing it and so it's now starting to turn real for the family and it's starting to wear them down as well uh one occasion has carmen mopping the floor and then as she's mopping the floor the water turned into blood uh and Al reported, uh, she and Al actually reported that the bed began to, the bed began, to, the bed began to vibrate, feeling like it had a pulse or a heartbeat. Uh, visitors to their homes were, to their home were also able to feel it. Uh, and then they also had an experience where Carmen was in the shower and the shower curtain basically wrapped itself around her and her face so that she was unable to breathe. She couldn't get out of it and she was being pressed upon from all sides like it was wrapping around her uh and i think what eventually happened is that her niece came in and saw her and was like oh shit and then you know helped her and she was able to get out but i mean imagine how terrifying that is we all have that experience of the shower curtain attacking us of course which has to do with steam and moisture and and air trapped on the inside cold air and hot air so 
you know, it, it's it's all very scientific and and real that the shower curtain kind of attacks you because of moisture and but she had this thing wrap around her and suffocating her like someone had just wrapped it around her body and that's again terrifying that's that's terrifying <laughs> um then they started noticing uh that the light bulbs would give off uh, kind of an unusual and faint glow. And Al got so frustrated that he took out all of the light bulbs, but that didn't even stop. Then they started noticing the smell of feces. Um, and then one night, uh, Carmen and her niece Tammy uh, had just one of the most horrifying encounters. Uh, Carmen basically said she remembered waking up in the middle of the night to a negative energy, like a heavy negative energy around her. She couldn't see anything, but she could feel it. And it was cold and, uh, cold hands reaching underneath her pajamas, you know, basically, uh, grabbing at her bra and she could hear this, this hideous laugh above, uh, above her as it went above her shirt and out the window. Uh, Kelly said she had the same experience, except she was fully assaulted and claimed she had been raped by a demon. So, you know, this is starting to kick into a very terrifying and real nightmare for these people. Um, you know, Carmen and Al began to have encounters in their bedroom at night. They reported feeling an unearthly atmosphere in their bed. Uh, most often it would be accompanied by an ambient 1930s mood music and then an assault either on Carmen or Al sexually. Uh, this happened on numerous occasions. I mean, could it be possible that Al and Carmen may have had like some kind of fantasy I mean, you know, it's the 1980s. People are coming off of hippie, you know, the hippie vibe that was very prevalent in the 1960s and, of course, the 1970s. Um, You know, it's it's not impossible to think that they may have had a few kinks, and, you know, we don't kink shame here. That's something we do not do. I refuse. I refuse to kink shame. I will not do that, patrons, okay? You do you. Be happy. Be happy with what you want to do. That's all right. I think that's a song. I don't know. Uh, it should be. I mean, I know Be Happy is a song. Don't worry, be happy. You know. Yeah. But um, in an interview, Carmen admitted once while running away from the home, her niece was hideously abused, abused the entire way. Uh, when asked why they didn't leave, they explained that she didn't think it would make a difference. Everywhere it went, it followed us. One night while in bed, Carmen finally saw the ghost haunting her. It had long black hair with black eyes. And the other had long white hair with white eyes. And that's when they finally called Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, boys and girls, you know my thoughts on Ed and Lorraine Warren. I believe that they they had some very interesting ideas on how to investigate and debunk things. Uh, that worked, actually. Um, 
but that's like saying Alex Jones is right about, you know, a few things, but he's still a conspiracy theorist, you know. Uh, Ed and Lorraine have a kind of torrid past, uh, and, and, and they had a torrid life, and maybe some of it was hokey, some of it was real, but a, a good majority of the cases were kind of just cash grabs, spotlight cash grabs. Um, I do believe that maybe a few cases may have been factual, but as far as the majority of, I, I think that there was some, they were very shady, very strange, but somehow very clever people. For, especially for effectual at debunking. I'll say that. But uh, they were, uh, they're, of course, American paranormal investigators. They investigated the Annabelle Raggedy Ann doll, the Amityville incident, which was just kind of a murder. Uh, but they claimed it was uh, the devil possessed him, but even the, the young man who had killed his family said, no, I just hated my family. I really hated my family. Uh, and, of course, the conjuring was the biggest one. The Conjuring is the biggest one. Uh, the Nun, uh, which is the infield poltergeist. Whew. 8%. Man, that'll kick you in the butt. Uh, like I said, folks, you can crack open. Feel free to. This is the type of show where we like to sit back and enjoy ourselves as we listen to a bit of horror and nightmare juice. Uh, we drink um, adult drinks while we do that. Uh, together with their team, they spent nine weeks in the Snydecker home looking to get basically the full demonic experience. So they were there to go, look, if something's going to happen, we're going to be here to see it. We're going to spend nine weeks in your house eating your food. You will cook for us. Um, but they got an experience. Uh, they said that they... Reported team members were slapped, beaten, pushed, and slammed into the floor, and also other things. Uh, Ed and Lorraine, looking for a full picture, conducted research into the house, and the basic history was that they had a mortician that worked in the home when it was a funeral home uh, that practiced kind of uh, a forbidden art, we'll say, called necromancy. Necromancy. I can't believe I almost flubbed that word up. I did. I almost messed that up. Boys and girls. Can't do it, man. Ah. But he had infused the home with a deep evil. Not only that, but he had participated in it and had been found guilty of necrophilia. So, you know, just great guy. Total winner. Total winner. They declared the house to be infested with demons and rated the entity within to be a 9 on a scale of 1 to 10. So you know what that means, boys and girls. Father Michael, it's time for an exorcism. Calling Father Michael. Father Michael. Uh, Father Teb, we have an exorcism. Father Teb, please come for the exorcism. Um, God, that show. Uh, the Snydecker family basically said... You know what? We're tired of this shit. We're tired of living this way. We want to We want to move. So they had the house cleansed. 
Um, and that in itself was an event because during the cleansing there was attacks and uh, they actually saw this kind of black mist entity leave the young man's body as they were proceeding with the uh, the exorcism. Uh, so they cleansed the house, they performed an exorcism on Philip and then promptly moved out. Uh, after they moved out, Philip's health kind of got better for a little bit. Uh, after after this, you know, they did the books and basically it was uh, you know, big th- a big thing. And then, of course, we have a movie now, Haunting in Connecticut. Um, there's a, a ha- there's an episode of A Haunting from, I think it was History Channel, or I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a TV show that's basically like uh, America's Most Wanted, uh, a recreation of events, uh, you know, a, a dramatic recreation of what happened to this family. Uh, there's an episode of that called A Haunting, uh, a haunting in Connecticut. Great episode. Very cool. And all of that to go all the way here and say that uh, the owner of the home say that the Snydeckers invented the story and said it's a fraud, it's a joke, it's a hoax, it's Halloween. Uh, he said, he went on to say that the paranormal activity heightened when the family was getting behind on their rent and they just moved out before eviction proceedings were complete. A neighbor called them out on the television show, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. They never had a problem until they got behind on rent. Another neighbor neighbor claimed, uh, Catherine claimed that they had planned this from right when they moved in. Uh, an upstairs neighbor also refuted their claim. She said she had never seen nor heard anything supernatural in the building. Um, so this bit of real estate was rented out to multiple people, turns out. It wasn't just their home. Um, so several people said that they had not had they had not had any issues, and they had also lived in like they had basically what they had done is they had sectioned off this funeral home. Um, now maybe that section was just the most the section with the most activity. Uh, but most of the time when you see it, honestly, and, and I did save this for the end because this is how the article that I am reading lays out. Great article on it. Uh, it's the scare chamber. Um, but they were called out. But the uh, real estate agent had cooperated that, yes, it was a funeral home. And that they had also fallen behind on their rent. And, of course, the Warrens are always kind of up for a good investigation and a good way to make money. Um, so, realistically, did anything happen here? One will never really know. Uh, the Warrens claimed that stuff happened. But we also know that the Warrens are kind of charlatans as well. But other people claimed that it happened as well. But what's to say that Alan didn't find some way to make the bed vibrate like that? You know? It's possible. 
or maybe something in the house like water passing through pipes was just rattling the wall, which rattled the bed, and they could just feel that, you know, that slight, you know, vibration or rattle. Who knows? You know, um, and, and it's an amazing story, and it and it sucks because yes, their child actually did have Hodgkin's lymphoma. So Philip did have Hodgkin's lymphoma the entire time that this was going on. And if it was going on and it affected his health bad enough to change his attitude or, you know, maybe he got possessed. Again, they were over the mortuary part. So maybe, maybe this is all true. Maybe this is all 100% legit. And the other people didn't feel anything or see anything or have anything happen to them because they weren't on that side of the house or they weren't in that most focused area of activity. One around that kind of a place with constant misery and sorrow might attach, you know, a little bit of energy to it. One might think is what I was going to say, but I just kind of trailed off with it and went ahead with my thought. But as, as I said, you might think that you might also think that, He's doing some messed up stuff. He's a mortician. Maybe he is a little dark and disgusting, and maybe he did do some necromancy. Maybe not. Maybe that's just something the Warren said to add some interest so they could add some danger to it, which kind of does add cash to their book sales. You know, if it's a darker thing, if it's a, ooh, it's a this or it's a that or it's a demon. There are a lot of demons in the house, they claim, you know. There are a lot of demons. Um, it's it's strange. It's a very strange investigation. Um, I, I you know and honestly, let's think about this too. The publicity to be gained from f- you know faking a huge haunting. And I mean that, like, think about it, a huge haunting. That you're able to get a book deal and people would read because people love reading that stuff. Uh, now, this event did happen in 1986. That's four years after Poltergeist came out. And a lot of these are similar to Poltergeist. So, I mean, not a lot, but, you know, just some of the things are kind of, kind of the same as. So... You have to go, okay, I'm going to really look at this and see what are legit and what aren't. Maybe we need to go back even further and say, hey, who moved out of here? Can we speak to them? Before these this family showed up in 1986, who was living in this room? Did they move out because of this haunting? You know, I mean, it's... It's kind of a, it's kind of a very strange, very unusual case. And it's always, it always gets kind of a, for myself, it always gets kind of a drop in authenticity when the Warrens are involved because they have also had so much that was not legitimate investigations. Some of those investigations were bunked themselves and they kind of have a kind of sordid past. I don't know. But um 
You know, what did this family actually go through? What were they actually dealing with? You know, did they get behind on their rent because of this haunting? Because that would have a physical and that would have a mental toll on you. And then physical because of the mental toll would also take in. You'd lose sleep. You know, eventually it would start to get to you and you would get behind because you'd have to, you know, call out of work because you're so worn down. You can't move. Then you're calling out of work. You're not getting money because your kids are freaking out because you've got a demon in your house and it's trying to terrorize your family. You know, that's also possible. And that's also why they could have gotten behind on their rent at the same time. So there's that to think about. Uh, you know, so there's just, there's so much to this story that we need to know. Like, like I, I want to get the book and, and read it and, you know, maybe come back with a more in-depth look. But for the time being, this case is up in the air because there is a legitimacy to them being behind on the rent and dealing with this haunting because of issues with, you know, mental fatigue and physical fatigue and, and just, you know, being exhausted enough to having to deal with this ghosts and demons that are in your house. And maybe you're the only one getting affected because that's the part of the house that has the most dark, dormant, dominant energy. And the most ter- terrifying, hellacious, horrific things that have happened because it has that darker energy. It's possible. It's possible that it could only attach to that part of the house and, and feel safe there. And that. Once it had new victims, it's not going to go out any further into the house. And what happened to the previous tenants? Did they move out because of this? Or did they move out because they got a house? What's the deal? <laughs> you know, what's up? So, that's just something to think about. Something to think about. But boys and girls, that is the Snydecker haunting or the haunting in Connecticut Uh Thank you. Thank you again for showing up and listening. Again, go on to Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon and give us a five-star rating. That five-star rating helps us move up the charts, guys, and I really appreciate it. And also on Apple, give us a review. Tell us you love us. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me what you want me to cover next. Anything that you guys have in mind, I am very willing to cover. Give me some ideas, boys and girls. But as for that, boys and girls and others and others and others, Let's not forget these others. But other than that, that's it for tonight. And as usual, thank you for going down this paranormal rabbit hole with me.